You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Well, folks, you are listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. There is so much going on right now here at Bride. Let me lay out a few things that you should know as a listener of the Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall podcast. First of all, we are in transition season starting now. Uh, I have said many times at the Bride Ministries Church, I think on a few of these openers to these podcasts, which have not been making them onto our podcast every week, uh, that we are transitioning the ministry from Dallas to Houston. Now, this is happening starting this month in December. My wife and I are moving. We're we're actually moving uh, our physical home, and we have a new home in Houston that we will be moving into. And so um, we are going to be juggling that along with moving our ministry offices, which is a process that's ongoing. We're actually still looking for a ministry office in the Houston area, but we believe that God is providing. And so just keep us in prayer. However, that is happening. Furthermore, as we've been saying all along, the Bride Ministries Church is going to have a uh, live attendance component being added. In other words, we're backing our way into a more traditional approach to church where we're still going to be doing our online stream and engaging with our Bride Tribe family all over the world intentionally through that online stream. But we're going to have a live audience for everyone in the Houston, Texas area that wants to Join us as Bride Tribe uh, for fellowship on a weekly basis. We, we, we are going to have our ministry training center. And there's going to be so much that this brings with it. We will begin doing monthly worship service nights uh, where we just get together and literally just worship God. Uh, we are also going to be doing weekend training events where we bring in experts and specialists on different subjects and topics and do seminar weekends and so forth. And that's going to be really, really good for uh, those of us that are are, are participating. We're going to have a home base. So all of you that are in different places of the country, when you just get desperate for some community in person and you're like, man, the Bride Tribe Advance is still eight months away. You'll be able to just come to Houston and hang out. It's going to be really good. We're very excited that God is opening this door for us. And so look forward to news about that launch in you know January, February. Uh, we'll be putting it out on this podcast, on the website, and everywhere else, in our email and so forth. And so we'll be sure you know where and when. And with that said, we're also going to begin really driving on the plan to produce survivor housing. We are looking for land. We've saved quite a bit of money. We will probably have to spend some of that on offices and certainly facilities for the church, but we are fully committed to getting into survivor housing, which means uh, obtaining land and then putting housing on it as well as other facilities where we can do trainings. And uh, we, I mean, our vision is to produce a, a six to nine month program where we are able to take in survivors that, that um, 
need to escape their situations, get them coaching that is uh, uh, um, ongoing throughout the entire time they are in the program for deliverance and inner healing with folks that we have trained in-house, as well as job skill training so that folks that are part of the program can leave the program with real world skill sets that can be employed so that people can stay free of bad situations once graduating out of the program and empowered to continue a vital healing journey in Christ Jesus. And so we have a vision. We have a powerful group of people that are now being assembled to pull it off, folks. I just want to let you know that those of you that have been supporting us, you you are a major part of bringing all of these things to pass. I want to encourage you to continue sewing into this ministry by going to bridemovement.com. It's super easy and we have many ways to give. Um, And keep in mind, however, for those of you that have been sending us checks, we are changing our P.O. box. So before you send another check, double check our P.O. box over the month of December because in the month of December, the P.O. box is going to change. We're going to be getting our mail forwarded, but the best thing is always to send it to the right location in the first place. So please be checking our P.O. box on our website because as soon as we secure a P.O. box in Houston where we are moving to this month, uh, we will be reflecting that on our website and everywhere else that you see an address posted for this ministry, Facebook, etc. Now, one other thing, do not forget about the Deliverance Portal because guess what? We have a first-of-its-kind massive resource here at Bride Ministries that you can use to get your own deliverance and freedom as well as point your friends and family to so they can get extraordinary healing and deliverance uh, that is self-service. And um, deliverance.bridemovement.com is the proper URL. You can link it from our website or just go straight there. Deliverance.bridemovement.com. We want everyone in the Bride Tribe community to know about this resource because a lot of you, you know, you need deliverance, but we haven't had the coaches necessary to service everyone that's connecting to this platform. And some of you are in desperate situations. You're like, I just need some prayer. I just need some breakthrough. This is where you go because there are videos of me. I will pray over you all of these various prayer templates and you can pray with me because all of the language for those prayer templates is published to those prayer pages. And if you don't know where to start, we have assessments that will help you map your issues to our solutions in Christ Jesus. And so with that said, we're going to get right into this podcast. God bless you all. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Well, folks, it is another episode of Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. I am very, very excited to be sitting down with my friend, the Honorable Dr. Marlene Carson, who is a Sir Thriver, not a survivor, but a Sir Thriver 
of domestic minor sex trafficking and is one of America's foremost authorities on the subject of human trafficking. She is currently part of the U.S. Advisory Council on Human Trafficking with the White House and has advised corporations and legal teams on the subject matter. She is the founder of The Switch and just so happens to have been our guest at the recent Bride Tribe Advance, giving a powerful message on Friday night. And I'm just so excited to have her here. Welcome to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Thank you so much. It is an absolute pleasure and honor to be here with you today. Well, Marlene, you know, this is really good. The last time you were on our podcast, you were actually getting interviewed by my wife. Yes. And folks, this is basically how that went down. Uh, My (laughs) wife said, no, Marlene is my friend and I'm interviewing her. Take a seat. Right. I I felt robbed. uh, Oh, my goodness. goodness. (laughs) But I told robbed (laughs) with no gun, right? No guns. She didn't need them. All the husbands out there know what I'm talking about. So the thing is, I, I, I took opportunity now because since we've announced, you know, our pregnancy and yes. the fact that we're going to be bringing a beautiful child into this world, I will say, yeah, um, my wife was too pregnant to do this interview today. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she can't interrupt today. <laughs> no, she, I believe she may be taking a nap. <laughs> um. You know, Marlene, it's, it's so good to have you. I, I, I just so appreciate you. you. You are such a gifted and aspirational individual. What you have overcome is extraordinary. And as we get into the conversation today, I want to begin by talking about the because here's the thing, folks, if you didn't catch the interview that my wife did with Marlene on the Christian Business Podcast, you can go back into our archives earlier this year and find it that there you will hear Marlene's testimony large piece of it, and also some of her glory stories. But, you know, in short, Marlene was sex trafficked beginning, you know, in her teenage years. And um, throughout adulthood, this continued. And, 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 and in that process, Marlene, your innocence was stolen. But it wasn't just innocence. Mm-hmm. I want you to talk to us about that. Sure. So as a victim of domestic minor sex trafficking at 15 years old, then I was a virgin girl raised in the church, two-parent household. And those dynamics would say she should not be a victim of trafficking. That's a myth that people think when you have a two-parent household and um, raised in the church, you would think those things don't happen. But um, so my innocence, my virginity was stolen as a result of being trafficked. Um, But as I walked through the process of healing, I realized that my innocence wasn't the only thing stolen. My dreams were stolen, my vision, my goals. Um, I remember Dan um, being, and and every time I tell the story, I literally picture the hotel room I was in for the first time. I remember the smell. I remember the bedding. I remember where they were positioned. There was two people in the room. I remember where they were positioned. And I called that bed my coffin because that bed was actually 
the place where my dreams died. That's the place where I gave it all up. Um, once, you know, as a girl, we treasure our virginity. And so to have that stolen and to have to look in the eyes of our father, to look in the eyes of my older brothers that were my protectors, it's um, that, yeah, that trafficking situation absolutely stole more than just my innocence for sure. So uh, let's talk about that. You go into the situation as, as many people listening to this podcast, because listening to this podcast are so many individuals that have been through different kinds of trafficking. Uh, Some of that is sex trafficking in Mm -hmm. a traditional sense. Some of it is satanic ritual abuse trafficking. We we, we are ministering to many people that have had their innocence stolen. And and the thing is, when you explain your experience as being your coffin, Mm -hmm. I mean, what you're talking about is you know, your, your desire for a better future, a hope of a, a, a good, rewarding, fruitful life, um, all of these ideas being mm-hmm. demolitions. Yeah. I mean. I couldn't even conceptualize moving past that experience. So I couldn't, I couldn't, um, I couldn't even gather my thoughts. You know, most people who we train on trafficking, even now, they tell me they can't wrap their mind around how this happens. Well, I couldn't wrap my mind around how I was going to move past it. Can you talk to us about the impact of overwhelming positivity from the standpoint of a survivor? Okay. Uh, Someone comes along and says, all right, it's time to be empowered. Let me tell you seven ways to be a better you. And we start talking possibility thinking. What is that like from the standpoint of being a survivor with dreams that have been put to death? Oh, so um, for me, it was a process. Mm -hmm. I had to, um, even as I'm thinking about this conversation, I think about the um, process of the coffin So I would say I went from the coffin to the grave, Mm -hmm. for real. My dreams died there, but they just didn't rest there. They had to be buried. And see, that was the plan of the enemy, to bury those dreams, to bury those desires, to bury my uh, my destiny. But, ooh, mm -mm, I can get happy even thinking about this because praise God for resurrection, okay? (laughs) So... But it was still a process. You know, um, like like I shared with you all at the advance, I used to walk around holding my head, declaring the word of God on my mind. That was real for me for three years. And so people um, speaking life into me and seeing the potential, but I didn't believe it because all I saw was the trauma. And so all... I couldn't get past the trauma. And and I'm sure you've heard of something called the imposter syndrome. And so the imposter syndrome is when the person has uh, achieved great goals in their life, but because of something that happened in their life, they can't get past that and they feel like they are an imposter. 
So I wow. felt like that for years. Oh yeah, I felt like that for years. Like I was achieving great things and it didn't make sense to the average mind or the intellectual mind even to say, how is this victim doing this? They always discounted the power of God in my life. And so they could not wrap their minds around it. And if I was to, to just line up, just line upon line, de- develop seven things that victims could do. The first thing I would say is be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Everything I would tell them would be um, so that you can prove whether it's good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. Cast your cares on him. You know, everything that I would, would give them would be right from the word of God. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. You know, uh, be not envious of workers of iniquity. I w- those are things that were a real part of my life during my process. So this is a shameless plug for this book. But um, I just finished um, 12 Steps to Transform the Exploited Soul. Um, it's actually on Amazon now. And so I took those 12 steps because those were steps that I had to walk through. I had to, you know, experience them myself. And and the process was not an easy process, but I volunteered for it. Oh, my gosh. Can you you talk a little bit more about those 12 steps? Just kind of give us a little little sprinkling. Yeah, I'm going I'm going to pull the 12 steps up. So um, one of the uh, steps that I did was for volunteers. Okay. Okay. And so the 12 step books talk, the, the book talks about a victim. It's a true story. Talks about a victim that was trafficked by a police officer. Okay. So most people can't even remind, they can't wrap their head around that. Let's, we can stop right there for real. They cannot wrap their mind around. There's a 14-year-old girl in school, junior high school, middle school, they call it now. And the safety and security officer traffics her. True story in Ohio. And um, there's many, many stories like that. So I wrote about her story. And at the end of her story, I, I bridged it with 12 steps. And these 12 steps are what volunteers have to process to check their own heart before they volunteer with our organization. Right. And so uh, <laughs> let me see here. Some of those steps is so interesting. Um, strengthen that which remains. And so in order, mo- most trafficked victims come from a place of trauma. You know, you just can't get around the trauma when you deal with traffic victims. However, traffic victims are resilient. They are strong. And so most people want to almost act like they're walking on eggshells, like they're so fragile that if if I have to hold her or him like this so she doesn't break. When the fact of the matter is, most traffic victims have been through more than most average people have ever gone through. And you should deal with them from a place of strength, not from a place of pity or being fragile. Because mm. that's just not the truth. And, and um, <laughs> it's like some of our um, volunteers 
have been called to do this work, have been called to serve the victims of SRA, of victims of trafficking, victims of sexual abuse. But they go before they've been chosen. So one of the chapters is, is called Called, Not Yet Chosen. Oh my. So in your called stage, you do your research, you get educated. You don't call, get a call and just get a business card and, all of, and a briefcase and all of a sudden you're going to start working with SRA victims. You're going to get your spiritual self tore up if you do. And so <laughs> yeah, that, that's what happened to you. <laughs> and so you have to, you know, develop the calling, you know, nurture the calling and then go through the process of being chosen for that call. And so I really take them through a process of what are you really doing? What is your agenda? What is your motive? A lot of people want to help victims, period, victims of all sorts of issues. But are you really doing it out of the pureness of your heart because you want to help victims? Or are you doing it to be dinnertime conversation to get your brownie points? And that's, you know, that's just how I feel about it. Probably not the nicest thing to say, but that's how I feel about it. Well, you have been working with this for a, quite a while. Yeah, yeah. We so, 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 this book—I mean, those are two points. This book is is a book that you wrote. Yes. And people can get it. Yes. Folks, let me tell you something about the Honorable Doctor Marlene Carson. Oh, I, I just have to blow her up for a second here. Oh, My God. wife and I—we would talk to her, you know, from time to time. Every time we talk to her, we play trivia afterwards. Did you know? <laughs> And, and it's like dot, dot, dot. You know, this woman has more stuff that she's doing, has done, um, is work. Like, it doesn't even make sense. It's like, like you're one person. You know, every time it's like a new nugget. I didn't even know before we started recording this program that she had just released a book. It's like, wait a minute. Know, right? We're in the middle of our interview and I'm just learning this right now right. I know, right? <laughs> and actually so so that book is done it's on amazon it's actually been on amazon for a while i just don't push the book um well for whatever reason and then i'm releasing another one in january um called pimped on both sides and uh it's um one woman's story how she overcame being pimped in the streets and pimped in the church and I didn't see that either. Yeah, is that is something we're going to talk about right now because everyone just said, "Whoa, whoa, 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 what?" Yeah. Ah, you need to talk about that. Hold on, and and here's the thing, Marlene. You know, there is so much church hurt. Oh my gosh, have, and that's where it came from. Mm-hmm. I have talked to people yep. whose sexual abuse yep. happened in the church. In the church, and. It's such a struggle to put in a solid and healthy framework when the foundation is rotten. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely so. So um, pimped on both sides, interesting enough, Dan, was prophesied to me that I would write this book, I don't know, 10 years ago by a pastor. Hmm. And I remember saying to him, I can't write that book because I've never been pimped on another side. Well, when I left his church, I was able to write the book. Oh my gosh. Right. I was able to write the book. Um, and so I correlate 
um, things that happen in trafficking with things that happen in the church, both spiritually and naturally, physically and very sexually. My God. And so I'll give you an example. Um, In trafficking, Mm -hmm. there's something called a choosing fee. A choosing fee is if I'm with a uh, what they call a gorilla pimp, he's one that's very violent, um, and I want to go with one that is a because you can't get out the life. You're going to, if you're in it, you're in it. There is no exiting just because you want to leave, and so you may go to a charismatic trafficker, um, or they call a Romeo pimp. Okay, so he's someone that's like your televangelist. And I mean, that's just the way we have to describe it. Sorry. Um, Not a blanket statement. This is definitely not a blanket statement. Again, you know what I'm saying? But so it's something called a choosing fee. So in order to get from the gorilla pimp to the charismatic pimp, you have to pay a fee. That fee is usually about $5,000 or up. So what that means or how that translates, while you are working for the gorilla pimp, giving him money, you're stashing money to give to the charismatic pimp. Well, the chapter in the book is called, are you paying a choosing fee or giving God an offering? My gosh. And I'm going to tell you where that came from. I um, was, I was in a church and my sister had given a $10,000 offering in the church. And there were literally people assigned to her by the pastor at that point to um, court her to see what she did. Where does your money come from? Do you have any more? I mean, they were literally courting her. And so she recognized it right away and pulled out. However, as an armor bearer, I was one of the ones that was assigned to court people. Okay. If you gave a certain amount of money and we recognize that some people, usually witches, come to the church to get to the pastor. Mm. And so they know that if I pay my choosing fee, that I'm automatically get a door into the pastor. It wasn't an offering at all. It was a choosing fee. Wow. Yeah. So it, um, it talks about stuff like that. It, um, unfortunately, there has been a lot of exploitation in the church. Um, from natural to spiritual to physical, um, sexual things that happen in the church. And some of my closest friends have been exploited in the church for sex, like the church ran an escort service inside the church, literally, literally. So um, we just had uh, two years ago in Ohio, three pastors uh, were arrested for trafficking in the church that the FBI literally took out the pews. That was horrible. They oh took the gosh. pews out for DNA because they're right, right. There was semen on the pews. No. Of the church. And this is not a small church. The church was like a 1.3, 1.4 million dollar church. This was not a small church. Yeah. So now you have your teenage victims that now have to go through that process and deal with the trauma of what happened in the walls of the church. So folks, um, here's the thing about trafficking. Um, it happens everywhere. 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 And it, I, I, I am not 
going to pretend like this is a denomination specific issue. Oh, oh no. Only uh-huh. happens in Catholic churches no. or Jewish synagogues or care. Like it's across the everywhere. It's just, there are bad, bad apples mm-hmm. everywhere, everywhere. My, mm-hmm. my, my. Mm-hmm. But you know, the, the awesome part of that is this. I see now how um, some of the, the most anointed people I know, victims that I know that experienced this, it was the plan of the enemy to destroy that, to destroy the anointing, to destroy their, their destiny, but he wasn't able to do it. It mm. actually made them greater and stronger. So if victims can find their place through healing, through forgiveness, through restoration of their life, to get their life and their anointing back, they can make an impact in the kingdom of darkness like no other. I can spot a perpetrator, a victim of trafficking, a victim of sexual abuse miles away. I can spot them miles away. Tell, tell us, Marlene, if you're looking at a person and you are discerning this is a, mm-hmm. a victim. Okay. okay. Uh, but there's no outward presentation and no introduction. Mm-hmm. What are you looking at? I'm looking in their eyes. I'm looking in their spirit. They can be made up from head to toe. I don't even look at that at all. Mm. So I'm look in your eyes. I want to look in your spirit. Can I tell you, I was, um, I was in the hospital. I actually broke my, my ankle. And I had to go to a nursing home, which is a whole nother story. But someone came to visit me. And when she walked in the door, I saw her pastor sitting in her spirit. And I said to her, please tell me you're not sleeping with him. How did you know? He, he walked in before. So that's what I see. I can literally see it plain as day. Mm-hmm. But I had a lot of practice at looking in so when you're in trafficking situations you're almost like playing russian roulette with your life so you have to have keen discernment and so i had a lot of practice and able to identify these demonic spirits and this activity going on to save my own life and now god just uses it yeah for me to see and and what are you looking at when you're looking at a trafficker Someone, no presentation, no introduction, but you see it. What's the mark? What are you looking at? This is going to sound really, really like kind of crazy. I look in his eyes too. But you know what else I look at? Hmm. His feet. Don't ask me why. I look at his shoes. I look at the way he stands. So the eyes tell me a lot about the eyes are really the window to the soul. Mm-hmm. But when I look at the feet, it's something that, that God gives me the discernment in to see the crookedness, to see the perversion in your walk, to see the, I mean, it's almost like a snake. I see it in the feet. I see it in the eyes. I see it in the feet. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. All right. So you took a long journey. Uh, yourself, Marlene. And, 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 you know, you mentioned something interesting. You said nobody gets out of the life. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you just transfer That's uh, right. business locations. Mm-hmm. Um, but you did. I mean, you yeah. actually did yeah. get out. 
Mm-hmm. So, and, and in, in the process of that, you had to walk through what it is like to have dreams, purpose, Ooh. and vision resurrected. Talk to me about that. Dan, I literally had forgot that I had certain dreams. Mm. I, um, I um, had an encounter with Heidi Baker about two years ago. I did, had never heard of Heidi Baker. I didn't know she had a school. I didn't know she used to be dyslexic. I knew nothing about Heidi Baker. So she's telling me all this stuff about her. And that was where the seed was planted. I remembered I used to want to be an educator. Totally forgot. So over the last four years, we were donated a building. And and it's a... um, (laughs) I used to say it was a 40,000 square foot building. And my board member told me the other day, he said, Marlene, the first half is 40,000 square feet. You have another section that's another 22,000 square feet. So it's a 60,000 plus square feet building. And um, we are creating the Prep Academy. And the Prep Academy is a, a vocational school for kids aging out of foster care and traffic victims. That will be our target, although it's open to the public. And so, you know, I was like, that's cool. You know, I really didn't want no school. And the Holy Spirit had to remind me, this was your dream. Before trafficking, this is what you asked me for. And I'm like, what? And then he literally took me back to that place in time when I asked him, could I do this? Mm -hmm. I totally, that's why I said my dreams, I forgot. They were so compounded under trauma. They were so lost in the, I mean, in darkness, they were so lost in all of the lies and deceit of trafficking that anything real, it just wasn't, it it just, it couldn't even be possible. I was, went to a friend's house and I was walking out the door and I heard the Holy Spirit say, dream again. And that night I went to the hotel and I was in the fetal position, Dan, because I said, God, I don't know how to dream for me. I know how to dream for everybody else, but I don't know how to dream for Marlene because it seemed like when I was trafficked, my dream died and I did not know how to resurrect it, to get it back again. So then the Holy Spirit told me to, uh, I did this with several people. Uh, with women mostly, I would buy them counterclockwise watches. And so I would buy these watches. And from time to time, as I was late, I'd give these watches out. And one day um, I gave a lady a watch and, and the prophetic word over her life was anything that was lost, that was stolen, or that you gave up because you were just tired of fighting for it. God is going to redeem the time and he's going to allow you to have it for today. Well, just recently, I got myself one of those watches (laughs) (laughs) because I realize God is redeeming time. He is a keeper of his word and he's going to do exact no matter what trauma you've experienced. (laughs) I'm, I'm realizing, Dan, that I the Lord has allowed me to create what I didn't have, but was that was always a dream that I wanted. And he's allowing me to create that. And he's funding it. Come on. <laughs> and I, he's funding I, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's funding it. Uh-huh. That's awesome. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about a little bit more about that later. You know, I, I, I am just always so excited every time we get on the phone, folks, with Marlene, it's me and my wife. It's always another glory story and another. I've never seen somebody raise millions of dollars so fast. Literally, <laughs> go to sleep, wake up. I, I, I'm telling you, the way that God works through this woman. But the, 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 the thing that I want to talk about now is, you know, all right, God is restoring a lot of what died, Marlene, but uh, you, you actually, I mean, you told me even recently mm-hmm. in coming to our advance mm-hmm. that oh, yeah. as a survive, sur, sur thriver, as you say, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you still wrestle with the why sometimes. Oh my I mean, God. Even in everything that God has done through you. So just think about this. Um, I wrestled with the why because I had the thought of what could he, he God have done in my life if it didn't happen? Hmm. What if it didn't happen? Why, why couldn't my life be just a normal life? I probably wouldn't have as much fun as I do now, but <laughs> why, couldn't my, why couldn't my life? I, I'm telling you, I had that question until last week. Now, the thing about that question is at times it would be cycles that it would plague me. And I'm sure for, for survivors that are listening to this podcast, if we're honest, we can work through things and we can go on like we are, are fine and dandy. However, we're going to come to that place where, why? Dan, I'm going to tell you something. That question, why, has plagued me for years like I felt it was unfair. My sister, um, my successful sister, they didn't go through anything like this. Their lives were great. My brother's military, you know, their lives were great. And here I am as the youngest of five siblings um, dealing with trauma that my parents never had to deal with before. That, that, you know, my parents are from West Virginia. They wouldn't know a trafficker if he had trafficker written on his head. They still wouldn't know what that meant. And so to be able to have to come back from a trafficking experience, couldn't look at my father. My mother held grief and shame as if she didn't protect her daughter, which it wasn't her fault. Okay. I have to, it wasn't her fault. But they did not know, nor did I know how to walk me through that process of wholeness. And it was our culture back then where Black people didn't see counselors. <laughs> so that, that just adds another layer. You go to the church. Now, you go to the church where there's also exploitation going on. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a no win. No no one wins in that. No one wins in that. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, with the why, the question of why, you know, one of the things that was really cool is uh, being able to talk to you because I, folks, apparently, uh, <laughs> Marlene isn't only going to be helping me. I've had the opportunity to help her a little <laughs> bit. Oh, and yeah, for sure. We, 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 you know, um, I, I did a podcast not not too. It was about a year ago, and it, and you can look it up. It's it's called uh, the Army of Volunteers, which is kind yeah. of a, a, a 
you wouldn't know by the title the meaning of the message. It's kind of concealed. I think people think I'm just talking about folks volunteering at a church to serve somebody, right. uh, you know, soup <laughs> kitchen. But we, with this, with this message, mm. it was one of the most powerful. I think it might have been the most powerful sermon I ever had the privilege of speaking mm. at last year's Bride Tribe Advance, and and you know, we talked about how before we were conceived, our spirits went before the throne of God to receive assignments and how some were given options, A, B, and C. You can either have this life that's going to be easier, but less reward, or you can have an extremely difficult assignment, but there will be an extraordinary reward. And Mm. in that setup, there are those who were volunteers Mm -hmm. in that they said, you know, I will go for you, Lord, and took assignments in bloodlines and in situations where it was going to be difficult where there was going to be unavoidable suffering that happened to them through the gates of satanic ritual abuse, mind control, trafficking, physical abuse, mental abuse, a whole array of things. And when we look at the book of Psalms, we find a passage which says in the day of his power, his people shall be volunteers. And that word volunteers actually means free will offerings that there is a whole generation of people that are here for the day of his power, which I believe is this generation. What is happening on earth right now is unprecedented. It is huge. And many people have voluntarily taken very difficult assignments in this hour to bring about a justice agenda of heaven, because Mm -hmm. in any court, there is no justice without a witness. Mm -hmm. And God needs witnesses to bear testimony to the injustices that are happening in the earth. Mm-hmm. Marlene just so happens to have realized she was a volunteer. Oh my gosh. Now you got to set this up. So I was at the advance this year. They were talking about last year's advance. And um, I believe it was Christian that said, you got to hear this message. Then talks about volunteers, how people's spirit volunteer before they even got here. And I'm like, hold up, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that my spirit volunteered for this before I had knowledge? Then they told me that on Thursday. Thursday night, I had someone text me the YouTube message. I listened to it twice Thursday night (laughs) and again on Friday, okay? I think I've listened to this message now probably at least five times. My God. Because it answered so many questions for me. There were times then I was angry with God. I was mad and upset. Like, why me? Why could I not have just this normal life and go to school? 
I love reading, Dan. I love education. I just wanted to be normal. I, well, what I thought was normal anyhow. So why did that have to be taken from me? I was angry to the point of, of I was literally legally married to a trafficker. And so the abuse, the beatings, I remember my worst beating, Dan, was because I wanted to go to church and I snuck to church. That was probably one of my worst beatings. Why, God, I don't understand that. So now I'm just trying to serve you and I'm getting beat for it. So we talk about those things that like, how do women, how do people um, get in these situations. No, these are not just situations we get into. These are things, these are callings and mandates that we volunteered for before the foundations of the world. That right there set my whole soul free, Dan. That set my soul. I will never again ask God why. As a matter of fact, Dan, what I didn't say to you, a Christian, I feel honored to be able to volunteer. I feel honored that you taught that message. And now I have an understanding of not only who I am, but how God sees me. He, he saw me as faithful to be able to volunteer for this. You know, my grandson, 19 years old, just went into the military. He scored so high on his test, Dan, that his first assignment was he's a photojournalist in Hawaii, Dan. That's his position right now for the Navy. I'm like, that is not, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) But guess what? He volunteered for it. He volunteered for that. And that was his capacity. He's serving our country. But when I think about it from a spiritual perspective and the people that go through traumatic things in their life and ask God why, with this understanding, it will help them to not be angry about it. It would help for me, at least for me, it helped me to embrace it even the more. It helped me to want to to say, okay, God, how can I take the agenda that you had in mind before the foundations of the world. And what's the plan to execute it in the earth realm? Because some things I don't have to struggle with anymore. God had the plan. Give me the blueprint and I will execute the plan. Come on. Yeah. So I think that that message right there should be just, it should go everywhere. Literally. I don't know how many people I've already shared that message with because it's the answer to so many questions. Mm-hmm. So, Marlene, you have, I mean, really uh, taken what you believe and put it in action. Yes. You, I mean, you've done so much. You've done so much. And I, I want to talk about some of your experiences in survivor housing specifically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's been an interesting journey, too. So I'll tell you, I started um, housing in 2008. I opened something called Rahab's Hideaway. And Rahab's Hideaway was a shelter, is a shelter for victims of sex trafficking for adults. And so my thought was, I told you I had broke my ankle. I was in a nursing home. And that's where the revelation came to start housing for traffic victims. And so my thought was just get a house, go get some girls off the street, make sure they have their basic needs met. We talk about the hierarchy of needs. Make sure those needs are met. 
But I can tell you, Dan, it took me about two days to understand that's only the beginning. That's only, <laughs> that's only, oh, no, I will never, ever, ever, you know, advise anyone to do that again. For the simple fact, the first client I took in, she was just 18 years old. She had been trafficked since she was 13 years old. Her, both of her parents had died before she was 10. My and gosh. a trafficker had got a hold of her and trafficked her for five years. When we actually got a hold of her, she had been living in a green dumpster in like a trash can for months. She put plastic in it and would literally just sit. That's how she got away from her trafficker. And so the years that she was being trafficked, there was so much trauma. So um, we brought her into our program and we had a big house, six bedroom, four bath house. And so she's on the third floor and she's in the shower. And at that time, I didn't know to, to take the knobs and turn them so they can't lock themselves in the bathroom. So she was able to lock herself in the bathroom and uh, she starts screaming. I mean, screaming to the top of her lungs. And so I run up the steps. What, you know, I'm trying to get her to unlock the door. It took us about 15 to 17 minutes for her to unlock the door. She was also a cutter, Dan. Mm. So I'm expecting to see blood everywhere. And when she opens the door, there's no blood. So I'm like, what's wrong? Why are you screaming like this? She looks up at me so sad and so broken. And she says, Miss Marlene, I don't know how to turn a shower on. Like what? Wow. And so this trafficker had total mind control. She did nothing that he didn't teach her how to do. She did nothing. He didn't tell her how to do because she was too afraid. And so of course, when, as a little girl, she learned how to turn on a, a bathtub, you know, the bath water. But he had penalized her so much for doing something on her own. She was, she was stuck. She couldn't do it. And so that young lady, they, she was diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic and bipolar. And so um, she was on eight psychotropic meds. And I remember asking her doctor if he would help me to wean her off of some of these meds and let's do some things naturopathically. And he told me, he said, if you don't think she needs meds, then you need meds. That's okay. Well, at least I know where you're coming from. Dan, I can tell you eight months later, he called me. He said, I don't know what you guys are doing over there, but we're going to wean her off of these meds. Wow. Now she's still on two. 14 months later, she graduated valedictorian from her high school. My now, gosh. that was not supposed to happen, according to what they said about traffic victims. That was not supposed to happen. But there is a place of healing that when you get people in an in a environment of love and no judgment, where they can heal themselves through the power of God, they will heal themselves and they will grow and they will thrive. That's why we don't call ourselves survivors. This is why we call ourselves the thrivers. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, you know, Rahab's Hideaway. T- tell us a little bit about how long this project has been underway. It's, well, Rahab's Hideaway has been going on since 2008. It still mm-hmm. exists. Um, Rahab's Hideaway has five areas of service, housing, health, education, income, and justice. 
So housing is kind of self-explanatory. The ladies can stay there for up to two years. We say two years, but then we have people that has been there for four years, five. They don't want to leave. Trust me, they don't want to leave. So that's a whole other story. I, yeah. I trust you. <laughs> <laughs> they don't, they don't want to leave. Um, uh, yeah. So housing health, we um, we have eye doctor, dentist, a podiatrist, OBGYN, general practitioners, and the mental health team that wraps around the, these ladies to make sure they're healthy. Um, education, we partner with Youth Built Columbus or depending on where they're at. Youth Build is a school around the country. Almost every city has a Youth Build and they teach either a state tested nursing assistance license or you can get OSHA certified and you learn how to build a house. The good thing about Youth Build is that they pay these kids to go to school. Some of them get $1,500 a month to go to school. And so I never got paid to go to school, Dan, trust me. Hmm. And so, um, but, so that's a big incentive for them to go to school to um, have good attendance and to be clean from drugs because they drug test them. So that's a good incentive for that. Um, our income, we um, open businesses and we employ the ladies. The ladies can also come to us with a business concept and we'll wrap around a, a team around them so they can implement their own business plan, their business plan and start a business. That's where they get their income from. And then justice, I feel that if or when a victim has been exposed to all of these services at no charge, then they should give back. And the way they give back is either they help to get other girls off the street or they they become a speaker and they teach um, and train law enforcement, child protective services, um, depending on where they come from. So that's our areas of service. And you've been uh, raising money for a certain project. Um, yeah. a, a piece of uh, real estate that you are trying to acquire. Why, why don't you tell our audience about that? Because, oh yeah. <laughs> so that is called Rahab's Hope. Yes. So Rahab's Hideaway takes in crisis victims. Mm-hmm. Those that are right off the streets, those that may be in a rescue and law enforcement needs a place for them to go. Um, or those that are still dealing with active addiction and severe mental health. Rahab's hope is for those that have been out of the life. They've been compliant to their own self-care and recovery. They have been drug-free for at least two plus years, and they want to start a business or some type of entrepreneurial endeavor. And so we were able to um, negotiate a deal uh, for a 32-bed property on nine acres in beautiful Amish country, and that's what we are fundraising for right now. And so because these women, it fills a gap of sustainability for them and their families. This is what we see causes women to go back into the life because, and we call the life prostitution or exploitation. So we see how women, if you can't pay your bills, if you can't buy food for your children, you're going to go back to what you know and how you can get money. And that's how most women go back. So what we want to fill that gap with teaching them how to create sustainable income for their families. So we came up with a concept. It's called Pieces of a Dream. And Pieces of a Dream is a campaign. You can actually go to www.rahabshopeofohio.org and get information on the Pieces of a Dream. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Folks, uh, we are very excited about what uh, Marlene is doing. Um, as, as a matter of fact, you know, she is 
paving uh, a, a way for many survivors of sex trafficking to get free in Ohio and has done things that we at Pride Ministries are believing God <laughs> to do here in Texas. Yes. So here's the good news, folks. And we're just rejoicing with this. Um, Marlene has already agreed to be part of the board for a second yes. organization we'll be setting up um, as we are pursuing survivor housing here in Texas. Uh, she's going to be, I, I mean, I'm telling you what, God is a provider, Marlene. Yes, he is. <laughs> yes, he is. I can't wait to take this anointing to Texas and just watch. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> but folks, you know, I want to encourage you to, to visit uh, the website that she gave. Um, I want to encourage you to check, uh, to sew into her. I want to encourage you to sew into her. You want to sew into uh, work that is directly impacting sex traffic victims right now. You mm -hmm. can do that. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I am also, you know, just continually talking about what we are building, because when we build in Texas, we are going to be a building an outreach that is going to largely cater to satanic ritual yes. abuse, Much victims needed. and survivors um, mm -hmm. going the step further of deploying coaching opportunity in conjunction with a lot that Marlene is going to help us bring to the table, you know, from empowering with uh, health needs to mm -hmm. empowering folks with uh, 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 employable skill sets, working all of that into a program, um, also bringing in the DID coaching element that mm -hmm. really is going to help us get folks set free and yes. activated. Yes. I am so excited, Marlene. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. Yeah. I know, Dan, with what you have done in my life through your ministry, I know there's so many others that's going to be healed. This is going to be amazing. This is going to be amazing. I'm excited. Folks, there's a lot to be excited about. I have been talking today with the Honorable Dr. Marlene Carson. I just learned that she has a book on Amazon available. You can buy it right now. Um, <laughs> we'll add that to the other new fact about her that I learned just before we started recording this podcast. It's, it just keeps coming, folks. She is a woman that is full of surprises. By the way, she has a Presidential Lifetime Achievement Award. You can look that up. That's a fact. Fact check me. Please fact check me. Marlene, it is such an honor to know you, to consider you oh, a friend. Yeah, I am. Thank uh, you. I love you guys. No, I am so glad God has put you in our lives. And so, um, folks, that is all for today on Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. Visit our website at brideministriesinternational.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church, the Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.